Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Won't you join us as we worship this morning? Sing a song. I want to sing a song for you, Lord. morning he is faithful amen um quick couple announcements um if you're part of the skit 
for the resurrection or crucifixion scene, we'll be having practice at 5 o'clock. <laughs> hand mime will be at 6 o'clock for the hand mime pra- practice. Um, also, I was talking with Tommy. Um, there's an upcoming golf tournament on June June 5th. June 5th. It benefits uh, the Rose House, um, which is for women struggling uh, with addiction. So that's an absolute awesome cause. Um, so if anybody wants to support that that golf tournament, I believe uh, me, Charlie, Tim, and Bill are going to go out there and hack it up one, one day. So. It's $100 per individual and 400 per team yeah. for that. Um, let's keep our men and women in the service. Okay. <laughs> I'll get ready to break out, darling. I mean, <laughs> um, let's keep our men and women in the service abroad uh, lifted up in prayer um, for everything they do that affords us our freedoms. Um, mm-hmm. Our church family, um, they can't be here this morning. Um, Christians all across the world, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, struggle is real. So it's important that we keep praying for one another because uh, God hears the prayers of his people. Amen. If we have any praise reports, prayer requests from anybody. Amen. Your grandson's back home from the hospital. Amen. Ashley. Amen. Because it's it's our call to uh, they recognize us by the love we show to one another. Amen. So. Uh, praying. I mean, that's the main thing we can do. We keep praying and and, and just uh, let God handle it. Lewis. 
just keep the pastor lifted up and his family. Joan, dealing with all us, trying to get uh, everything together with the skits and all that. So uh, <laughs> I know I can be a handful on the stage. So um, keep, keep them lifted up. Uh, I know pastor comes under constant attack, him and his family. So uh, the devil will use anyone or try anything to get at you. Um, keep Joel lifted up and in his ministries that he does, uh, dealing with all the youth in Brunswick County through his basketball program. And then uh, that's something that's near and dear to uh, this church. So let's keep that lifted up. For your tithes, we have the boxes in the back. You go to www.bridgenc.com, click on the gift tab, and you can also tithe there. So with that, Brother Michael. Oh, small group, my fault. After Revival, yeah, small group. And and uh, for those that... And for those that has never been part of a small group, that is a... Uh, it's really important. It's about praying for one another and getting to know each other a little bit more on a personal basis and uh, not so much uh, just coming just once, you know, every Sunday or Wednesday and Sunday. So it's a great, it's a great thing. So Michael... Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's go to prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we want to thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to come to your house, Lord, and lift up your name in worship and to fellowship with my family, Lord, my church family, my loved ones, Lord. Just ask that you. Bless them and be with them, Lord, and those that can't be here and those names that were lifted up, Lord, we petition it before you. Lord, and ask that you honor and uh, those petitions, Lord, we know you will. And we just ask that you be with the pastor, Lord, as he come and bring the word, Lord. Open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, to be receptive of you through him. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Your friend. 
Morning. Morning. If you have your Bible, I will go ahead and tell you now where our text is. It's one of those books that's a little, can be a little difficult to find. The book is Habakkuk. Um, it's only three chapters. It's a really small book, but if you'll turn to in between the Testaments, uh, between uh, Malachi and Matthew. Turn back five books and you'll find the little three-chapter book, Habakkuk. As you're turning there, um, I want to remind you, Wednesday night we'll be having a fellowship meal at 7 o'clock here at the church. And then Saturday, Saturday evening at 7, uh, will be the drama, um, Graves into Gardens, um, That'll be at 7 o'clock Saturday night. I encourage you, go to our, our Facebook page um, and share, 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 share. Just plaster um, Facebook. That is our advertisement, and we want to get the word out there. Um, I, I, don't, I try not to attend practices for the drama. Uh, I try not to get involved with the drama that's the one thing out of the year that, that I want to keep my hands off of and just be able to come and enjoy. Um, so with, with that being said, I don't know really anything about what's taking place. I don't know what songs are sung. I don't know what skits they're going to be. Um, but, but I can almost assume by the name of it that the theme is going to be that God is able and God is willing to bring beauty out of the ashes so I want to encourage you um, to not only come uh, but to get that invitation out there invite your friends your family you do got friends right you know the Bible says that for a man to have friends he must first show himself friendly you got to be friendly to make friends um, and then Sunday morning, uh, we'll begin our, our revival. Uh, Pastor Shane Jackson from Landrum 
Independent Baptist Church in Landrum, South Carolina, uh, will be here preaching. If you were with us last Mother's Day, uh, then you had the opportunity of meeting Shane and his family then. Um, Shane was actually the first pastor that allowed me the privilege to preach from his pulpit uh, more than 20 years ago now, um, and we certainly appreciate that. I want to encourage you to come out. God will bless you. Um, he'll challenge you, I promise, uh, but he will bless you. The book of Habakkuk, we, we, we're going to kind of do something different this morning. Um, usually we would take a particular text. Habakkuk is a very difficult book um, to, to, to uh, address because it, it's so negative in its content, but ends on a really high note. It begins with gloom and ends in glory. So you can't hardly cover the three chapters in the amount of time that we have here together, but I don't want to leave you hanging out in the gloom. Um, so we're going to kind of do a, a brief overview, if you will, of Habakkuk. But I want to take our thought from Habakkuk chapter number 1 and verse number 5. This is God, and we'll come back and look at Habakkuk's prayer in just a moment. But this is God beginning to respond to the prayer that Habakkuk has just prayed. And he says, Behold... Ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. Father, we are grateful for the privilege, for the opportunity to gather again with the people of God, your family, your children. We're thankful that you have had penned and preserved this book, the Bible, your word, and appointed us a portion of time that we might glean from its truth. God, I pray that you challenge us from this text. You change us from the inside out. Once again, that you make us more like Jesus today than what we were yesterday. By your grace and your mercy, have your will and your way in each of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. God's response to Habakkuk's prayer seems to describe where we find ourselves living in our current culture and context. God says to Habakkuk, I'm going to do something that you won't even believe even though I'm telling you what I'm going to do. It carries the idea 
of Habakkuk finding himself in a place where he sees what God's doing and it just don't make any sense. Maybe maybe there's one or two of you gathered here this morning that you see God doing something or allowing things to take place and it just causes you to scratch your head because you don't understand what's going on. Habakkuk doesn't even recognize the country that he's living in anymore. Life has a way of happening. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves perplexed, overwhelmed, and confused about what's going on. Now, we don't know very much about this great prophet of God named Habakkuk except for what's recorded in three, these three chapters. And then we know that he is quoted several times in the New Testament, and we'll get to that text shortly. But Habakkuk's name literally means to embrace. It carries the idea of clinging to or hanging on to. And I think that's really where Habakkuk is at in our text. He's kind of hanging on. But he's hanging on to the right person. But nevertheless, it's as though he's hanging on the last rung of his ladder. Life just does not make sense. For Habakkuk. I want to spend a few moments dealing with this subject of hanging on with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was written somewhere around 620 B.C., 620 years before Christ ever came into the world is when Habakkuk was preached and penned. That's more than 2,640 years ago. That these words were first put into print. But I want to suggest to you, and I hope that you'll see, that there is relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. In fact, if, if you were to take the time, and I hope that you will, to read all three chapters of the book of Habakkuk, I believe that you'll find there is current as what your news feed is this morning. So let's hang out with Habakkuk. 
first in his prayer life. I believe that we can all identify with the prayer that Habakkuk prays in the first couple of verses. Notice verse number 1. He says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now, the burden could be translated the vision. Habakkuk was a prophet. He was a, a seer. God is giving him a vision of what's coming in the future. And in your King James Version, it's translated, that vision is translated burden. I want to I say this morning that sometimes... God's greatest blessings come clothed in a burden. His greatest works are sometimes masqueraded in a problem. And if you don't learn to look beyond the problem, you might miss out on the blessing altogether. And so Habakkuk, he says he's burdened. Now, he's burdened because of the shape of his nation. Habakkuk could really be Job part two. Now, Job dealt with human suffering and not understanding the human suffering on a personal level. Habakkuk deals with it on a national level. He doesn't understand the chaos and the confusion that his country, his nation has found itself in. And so he goes to the right place for answers and he goes to his prayer closet. Note the familiarity that we feel when we read Habakkuk's prayer. In verse number 2, he begins asking God questions. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee for violence and thou wilt not save. Now in Habakkuk's question to God, you almost sense a note of frustration, maybe even a little anger. He uses the word cry two different times. Now, while it's translated into your Bible, C-R-Y, on both occasions, it's actually two different words in the original language. When he says, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry? The word is shavah, and it means to, to cry loud or to shout, to scream, to elevate one's voice, to cry out literally, audibly, lift up his voice, shout and scream toward the heavens, hoping to be heard because until this point, point he's prayed his prayers he's cried his tears and he feels as though his voice has not been 
heard. And then he says, even cry out. The word cry there is zavak, and it literally means to, to cry out of a need or a pain. God, I'm crying out of desperation. I'm crying out because I need something that only you can provide. I need something to happen that only you can do. We need rescue and you will not save. God, I'm praying, but you're not hearing. God, I'm crying, but you're not listening. Lord, I keep on asking, but you're not answering. How long must I continue to cry while you remain silent? God, how long do I got to suffer? And you not say a word. How long must I continue crying out of my prayer closet and my prayer falling on a deaf ear in heaven? Well, maybe, maybe this ain't but for one or two of you. But, but I know something about praying and not getting an answer. Habakkuk knew the pain inside internally of crying out to God and the situation not changing. Anybody know what Habakkuk is talking about? When he says, God, I look around and I see so much suffering and I cry out. And it's just like you're not doing anything. Well, I, I want to suggest to you that if Habakkuk shouted out to God, now I'm not, I'm not talking about pitching a fit, a tantrum like a two-year-old, but, but if he began to question God, we, we, we've heard before you're not supposed to question God. Habakkuk did because Habakkuk did not understand why he wasn't getting the answers he thought he ought to be getting. And so I want to suggest to you it's okay to say, God, why? Why am I crying out and you're not answering? Second question he seems to ask is God, how much longer do the saints have to suffer while watching the sinner succeed? Yeah. Notice in verse number 3. Why doest thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance or greed? For spoiling and violence are before me and there are that raise up strife and contention. Listen, therefore the law is slacked, become powerless. And judgment 
doeth never go forth. For the wicked doeth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Habakkuk names the problem that the saints are dealing with in Judah, and he calls it iniquity. The word literally means wickedness. So he labels the problem, and he says, God, I'm praying, and this is what you're showing me. I just continue seeing wickedness and lawlessness. Then he describes the wickedness that he sees in vivid terms. And he says, and you cause me to behold grievance, or the word can be translated greed. The nation has been filled with political corruption, and the poor keep getting poorer, while the rich keep getting richer. And those in power are literally robbing and raping, pillaging the poor. For spoiling and violence are before me. The words are used to communicate those with power are exploiting and oppressing the weak. The powerful are literally robbing the poor. Lord, the, the, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And what I don't understand is it's the righteous that are suffering and the sinners that are succeeding. God, I don't understand this. Therefore, the law is slacked, or the law has become powerless. Moral standards have collapsed. Our country is in a state of spiritual decline to the point where your law, the Torah, your word has come to mean nothing in our society anymore. I told you, it's like today's news feed. And judgment never goes forth. Our judicial system is corrupted because the people in power want to maintain the power that they possess. Therefore, God, we can't even go to court because the guilty are found innocent and the innocent are found guilty. And God, unless you got enough money to bail your way out and buy your way out, you ain't going to get a fair shake when you show up at the courthouse. God, that's what I'm seeing in my country. There is no justice anymore. The courts have abandoned your law and written their own. 
They've begun to call good evil and evil good. And Habakkuk looks at all of this and he cries out to God in his prayer closet, God, how long? How long do the saints have to suffer while watching the sinners succeed and you do nothing? That's, that's where Habakkuk is living at. Now, you've got to understand that Habakkuk is living under the reign of King Jehoiakim. Better days were behind the nation of Judah. The youngest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel was Jehoiakim's predecessor. His name was Josiah. Can you imagine eight years old and Josiah became the king of the nation of Israel, ruler of God's chosen people at eight years old? Now, one might consider and rightly ask, is an eight-year-old the right choice and fit to rule a kingdom. But under Josiah, Josiah led a reformation in the nation of Israel and done away with the idols and the pagan temples and the uh, foreign uh, pagan worship of his predecessors. And the nation experienced a genuine revival. The nation turned back to God. The entire nation turned back to God under the leadership of this king who began to reign at eight years old. Our nation could use a revival. Even if it has to come through an eight-year-old. Our nation needs to turn from sin and turn to God. That's what revival is. Revival is not about lost people getting saved. It's about saints getting right with God. And God, through Josiah, recalled a nation to repentance. And it was one of the most glorious times and periods in the nation of Israel that they were right with God finally under King Josiah. But isn't it interesting that how a generation can change the entire shape of a nation. Jehoiakim takes the throne and the very idols that Josiah had done away with. He reinstituted those pagan forms of worship. Turned away from the law of God and the ways of God and the morality of God. And the nation began a spiritual decline, and that's where Habakkuk found himself living. In other words, the nation's better days were behind them, and Habakkuk was wanting something better for the future of his nation. That should be the prayer of every saint of God in our country right now. God, 
do something. God, move. God, act. God, we need you to save us and you're still not rescuing us. When I look at the shape of the political climate, the moral decline within our country, over just my generation, my lifetime, I cannot believe how far we have fallen as a nation. That's Habakkuk's prayer. In his prayer, he's, he's literally, he's perplexed. He looks around and he sees how bad things are. And what perplexes him is it seems like God's just not doing anything about it. What he wants is justice. Literally what he's asking for is judgment. God, show us justice. Make, make that which is wrong right again. Turn us back to you because I know we've turned away from you. That's, that's his prayer. God answers Habakkuk's prayer and begins sounding really good and upbeat. Notice his answer. We just addressed a portion of it in verse number 5. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days... That you will not believe though it be told you. God says I'm going to do something. And even though I'm telling you when it comes to pass. You're not going to believe it. I'm going to do things in such a way. Habakkuk it's going to make you sit back and wonder. Boy don't that sound good. But listen to how he continues. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. Another translation might read the Babylonians, the same people. Nebuchadnezzar. Here's what he describes. Lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and nasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are, so, are also swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and the horsemen shall come from afar and they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall keep, heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over, and offend, imputing this power unto his God. God says, okay, Habakkuk, you want my answer? 
This is my final answer. I'm going to raise up a man called Nebuchadnezzar. And he's going to lead the armies of Babylon. Matter of fact, if you just behold the nations, you'll see they've already conquered Egypt and Assyria. And now they're blazing a trail toward Judah and Jerusalem. I'm going to use an ungodly pagan nation to bring my people to their knees. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. I wasn't asking for all of that. I just wanted justice. But you see, friend, you can't have justice without judgment. And so God raises up a pagan army to lay flat Judah and the city of Jerusalem for the purpose of turning his people back to himself. You see, here's the thing that we don't understand is what God knows is prosperity and blessing is not the way for him to get the attention of his people. In fact, it was in times of prosperity and blessing that his people were more prone to turn their back on him because, as we said Wednesday night, they tended to worship the gift rather than worship the giver. And so they turned their backs on God. And, and I just want to say one more time, boy, God's been good to America. He's blessed us like no other nation on this planet, and we, like the nation of Israel, have become guilty of worshiping the gift and forgetting all about the giver. And so God declares, I'm going to do something that you're not going to understand. You think you don't understand what's going on now. Wait till you see what's coming. I'm about to blow your mind. You know, Nine one one. I believe was God's wake up call to America. Now a lot of preachers got in a lot of trouble for making that very statement in that moment and at that time. But whether God caused it or allowed it, He did allow a handful of terrorists to bring our entire nation to our knees. Now Habakkuk is praying that God would restore justice, that God would turn his people back to his word and back to his law and back to a system of morality that was reflective of the morality of God. And God says, this is how I've got to do it, Habakkuk. I've got to allow my people to suffer. Because until they have suffered, they will not turn back. And this just literally, it perplexes Habakkuk, this man of God, this prophet. He, he doesn't understand why God would use a, a pagan nation of wicked people to judge his own people, the nation of Israel. But he does recognize God's sovereignty in the judgment process. Notice verse number 12. 
Are thou not from everlasting, O my Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to look on evil and cannot look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Habakkuk says, God, I know that you're holy and that you're just. And I don't even pretend to be able to understand why it is you see the need to send somebody, some people more wicked than what we are to bring us to our knees. The one thing that I do know is you are holy, you're just, and what you do will be right. So when we don't understand, what we do know is that whatever God does, whatever God allows, it'll be right. And if it brings our nation to its knees, it'll be good. Amen? Amen. I, I don't believe, and, and, and that's why I wanted to preface this statement that I don't believe God has been any better to any country on this planet than he has America. And it has been suggested, the idea has been entertained that America has become deserving of judgment. And many ask the question, why has God yet to judge America? I want to submit to you this morning that America is experiencing the judgment of God as we gather here in church this morning. You see, it's the evil and the wicked that God used to judge the nation of Israel. And as America has turned its back on God, it's the wicked that prevails, and that is the judgment that we're experiencing. I believe that God is judging America this very moment. And Habakkuk says, Lord, I just don't understand. I don't understand how you can use all of these wicked people to judge a people that aren't as wicked as they are. Here, here's, here's how we might say it. God, I ain't as bad as them. How, how are you going to let them prevail over me when I ain't near as bad as they are? And, and I really believe that that's one of the major problems within the church today is we want to compare ourselves to the world rather than the word. I mean, if, 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 if I'm not the one at the abortion clinic, if I'm not the one on skid row, if I'm not the one pushing and selling drugs, well, then I'm better than they are. And yet God is using the wicked of the world 
to judge the saints. That's what's taking place in our text. So, so what do we do? When, when, when God is administering His hand of judgment or, or, or lifting His hand of grace and provision that we experience the lack of His presence, power, and protection, what is the saint of God to do? What is, what is somebody like Habakkuk who was striving to serve God and speaking on the behalf of a remnant in the nation of Israel that still had a heart for God and the things of God and the Word of God and the law of God? What are we to do when we're caught up in the middle of God's judgment? See, that's where Habakkuk is living at. You see, God cannot judge the country around you without you feeling the effects of it. And, and that's, that's, that's where Habakkuk lives at. So, so I want to suggest to you, not only should we hang out with Habakkuk in his prayer life, but let's hang on to him in faith. No, notice chapter 2, Habakkuk, with all these perplexing thoughts going thrown his, through his mind, why is Evil triumphing over good. God, why aren't you doing anything? How are you going to use the liberals of this world to bring judgment on those Bible-believing Christians? Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch. Sometimes you just got to stand. No, 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 I didn't say cave. Give up, throw in the towel. You got to stand. I will stand upon my watch. It's, he paints the picture of a watchtower set over the nation of Israel, that place where warning comes from as the enemy is approaching. And listen, health, wealth, and prosperity is not the message America needs right now. What America needs to hear is that God is sending judgment. Judgment is coming. you got to stand. Jeremiah describes the day and the hour that Habakkuk is writing about, and he has something to say about the pastors, the shepherds, and the prophets during that day and time. He says that those prophets were becoming prophets of Baal. That, that is, they were preaching for financial gain and prosperity. So they become people pleasers rather than God pleasers. They begin to tickle ears rather than to say what God would have them to say. They did not want to pronounce judgment on the nation because nobody in the nation wanted to hear they had turned their back on God and God had lifted his hand off of them. And so they began to preach to please the masses. And our churches are full of it today. I never dreamed that we would be living in a time where in the pulpits of what used to be conservative, Bible-believing, evangelical churches that the gospel has been compromised. That the truth of God's word has been set to the side. 
I never dreamed we would find ourselves living in a time where the church would legalize what God's criminalized. Where pastors would stand in pulpits and declare that women have a right to choose and slaughter their babies in their mother's womb. I never dreamed that we would find ourselves living in a time where churches across America will become sympathizers of sodomites, proponents of perverts. I know it's hard, but it's the truth. In the nation of Israel, their prophets close their mouths except to open them to please the people. God said, for that very reason, judgment's coming. I'm not only going to judge my people, I'm going to judge those prophets. Habakkuk says, you've got to take a stand. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. I'm just going to watch and wait on my answer. Literally wait on the promise. Wait on God to fulfill that which he said he's going to do. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. It will surely come, it will not tarry. Let me, let me sum that up in just one phrase. God will judge sin. You can count on it. That is as sure as any promise that we have laid out in the scriptures is there is a day coming, an appointed time when God will judge sin. On a personal level. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. I believe God would have me declare unto you that you're not going to live forever this side of eternity. There is an appointed time where you'll draw your last breath, where your heart will beat for its last time, where you'll close your eyes only to open them in eternity. And after this, the judgment. Habakkuk wants us to understand that God's judgment is sure. It will happen in its appointed time. So the question that we need to ask this morning is just really quite simple. Are you ready to meet your God? Are you ready to stand before God in judgment, you see, sinners will stand before God in judgment, give an account for the lives that they've lived here in time. Don't forget, saints will also stand before God in judgment at the bema seat of Christ and be rewarded according to the deeds done in their body. Listen, friend, are you ready for judgment now? Habakkuk tells us what we got to cling to 
in times like this. He says in verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. What, what do we do? I mean, when, when we look around and, man, we, 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 we truly see saints suffering, sinners succeeding, it seems like life just doesn't make sense. What's supposed to be ain't no more. Good's called evil and evil's called good. What do we do? Habakkuk says, I'm just going to hold on to my faith. I'm just going to keep on believing God. I'm going to trust God for His promises. I'm going to cling. He's going to live up to His name. I'm going to cling on to my faith. And listen to me. Sometimes that's what you got. Sometimes that's all you got. When you look around and the world is in chaos and confusion, the one thing that you got is your belief, your faith in God. Everything will be all right because God said it's all going to work out in the end. Cling. Hold on to your faith. Sometimes that's all you got. But when you find out that that's all you've got, you'll also find out that's all that you need. The just shall walk by faith and not by sight. Habakkuk said, I'm just going to believe God, man. It doesn't matter what my eyes see. I'm just going to believe God. It doesn't matter what my ears hear. I'm just going to believe God. It doesn't, believe, it doesn't matter the situation, the circumstance, what it looks like and what's happening around me. I'm just going to believe God. You'll never go wrong. Believe in God. Turn to chapter 3 and verse 17. We're going to close in the way that Habakkuk closes. Let us hang out with Habakkuk in his prayer life. In his perplexing moments. And in his praise. Verse number 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Hey, let me, let, me, let, me, let me sum up verse 17 like this. When life doesn't make sense anymore. You see, fig trees are supposed to bear figs. Grapevines are supposed to bear grapes. Foals or flocks of sheep are supposed to produce babies. Isaiah said that's what's supposed to be, but that ain't what is. Everything's been flipped upside down on me. What used to be ain't no more. 
what once made perfect sense doesn't calculate anymore. I used to could count on my crop coming in. I used to could count on a full day's work left me with a full day's pay. There were some things I used to could trust in that I just can't trust in anymore. Life just don't make no sense. So what does he conclude? Verse 18. Yet I will. Somebody say, me too. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Aren't you glad that God saved you? <laughs> Listen, he says, I'm looking at a political nightmare. This country's falling apart. The poor are getting poorer. The rich are getting richer. I can't pay my taxes. I can't keep up. If I go to court, they're going to throw me in jail. But this one thing I know, God saved me. And in that, I'm going to rejoice. In that, I'm going to lift up my hands. In that, I'm going to worship and give him glory because it don't matter what's going on around. I remember what went down. God saved me. Listen to me. You need to worship regardless of what's going on. Regardless of the way things look. He says, I'm just going to worship God because if he, man, if he'd never done anything else for me, there was a time I needed a rescue and God came through when nobody else could. I needed to be saved and God saved me. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God who saves me. I will rejoice in the strength that he provides. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet, listen to this, like hinds feet. Look to your neighbor and say, you a mountain goat. The, the, the word could literally be translated deer or mountain goat. Some of y'all look more like mountain goats than deer. I'm talking to the men, not the ladies. <laughs> listen, listen. Listen. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet, the feet of a mountain goat. For this reason, he will make me to walk upon my high places. So... The prophet is declaring that regardless of what's going on below and around me, God gives me strength like a mountain goat to climb to a higher place, to elevate myself to a holier position, 
to live above the chaos and the confusion, the desperation and the despair and the despondency. I will rejoice. I'll joy in the God who gives me strength to climb higher than my situation and my circumstances. I'll lift up my hands and give him a shout. And then he, he wraps it up. And the text says in verse 19, listen to who he addresses this letter to. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I, I, I think Habakkuk is sending this off, this, this message about hanging on in times of suffering, about experiencing Real pain and struggles and trials. About rejoicing in the God of his salvation. And he sends it to the chief singers and says, Now I want you to take my pain and turn it into a song. I want you to take my sorrow and turn it into a shout. I want you to take that tone, that, that bass note that I was moaning way down here and turn it into a tenor way up here. Take my sorrow and turn it into a song. Listen, we, we need to join Habakkuk in singing praises to God regardless of what we're going through. Turning our sorrow into a song. You know, I imagine God must get awful fed up with us sometimes. I mean, really. I, maybe it's just me. But I've noticed that, you know, in, in, in my Christian walk, there, there's been some times when, when I've been through some stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about going through stuff? I mean, even as a Christian. If somebody told you that if you just get saved, everything would work out good for you, they lied to you. I've learned, man, I still, I probably go through more stuff now than I did before I ever got saved. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, man, I found myself sitting just like this right here. I can't believe everything that's going on. In the midst of me trying to do the best I can by the grace of God. Yeah. God, why all this bad stuff just keep on happening? Why you keep allowing leaders to oppress your people? God, why, why, why are churches being taken to court? Pastors standing before judges. And being found guilty and put in jail for doing what's right. Why, why, why is that happening, God? And man, if we're not careful, we'll live right there. And Habakkuk said, no, that's not where I'm going to live at. God's too big for that. God's too great for that. Listen, he heard you. When you was crying out in your pain. He heard you when you was shouting. Out of your suffering. Now you might not have liked the answer that you got. But it was the right answer. Because it's the one you got. 
but he heard you. And I just want to say as we stand to our feet, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, that God knows where you're sitting at right now. He, he knows exactly as he did with Habakkuk what it is you're going through. I, I believe that we are called up truly in that same jam that Habakkuk and the remnant in Israel was called up in. God was judging his nation and even the saints were feeling the effect of it. And so here's, here's what we got to determine. Tommy, what are we singing, brother? Oh, wow. What a, what a good song to sing right now. What a reminder that in moments just like this, there is a hope that's not built on sinking sand, but on the firm foundation of who Christ is heads are bowed and our eyes are closed God is going to judge sin now he's already done that one time for all of humanity some 2,000 years ago God judged sin on the cross of Calvary Jesus carried your sin to the cross and God punished it there the Bible says whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved Friend, that is your only hope on judgment day. When you stand before God, He's not going to be impressed with how much money you've given to a church. He's not going to be impressed with how many charities you've supported. How much good that you've done for the people around you. The only solution for judgment is the just shall live by faith. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. God, I have faith that He rose again the third day after He was buried. He rose to life. And God, I believe that right now He can give me eternal life, forgiveness of my sins, and a home in heaven. Friend, if you've never made preparations to stand before the judgment of God, I would invite you to call on that name of Jesus today. And you can do that just by quite simply believing the gospel, what I just said. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me and just say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have sinned and I'm deserving of your punishment, your judgment. But I believe you love me. I believe you love me enough to send your son into this world to die on the cross to pay for my sins. And so I ask for forgiveness based on what he's done for me. I ask you to Send your spirit 
to live inside of me, to lead me, to guide me. Lord, I ask you to save me and give me a home in heaven. And based on your word and your promise, I want to thank you today for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We begin to sing. This would be a good time to worship. Just to give him glory for what he's already done. Amen. We begin to sing. Why don't you come?
like that, don't you? He didn't say some of my sin. He said all of my sin. Hallelujah. Not, not, just, the, not just the bad ones. All of them. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Father, we are so thankful. God, I'm so glad for your salvation. Lord, then when we, when we weren't looking for you, just like the nation of Israel, we had, we had turned our backs to you. But you tracked us down, called us to yourself by your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I pray even now, saved as we are, turn us to you. With all of the distractions in this world, I pray that you just continually turn us to you. Cause your face to shine upon us. May your grace abound. We are so thankful for your great love. And God, I pray that you help us. Lord, that we we would learn more and more to love like you love. To be as forgiving as you are. To be ministers of the gospel of grace. Lord, we pray with Ashley this morning. Let our light so shine before men on earth that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. God, we really believe you can use what we do to save lost people. Help us to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Father, we pray yet again for Brother Shane Jackson. And God, I pray that you hide him. Hide him deep within the recesses, within the shadow of your cross. Help him to highly exalt Jesus, to lift him up, that he receive the glory, the honor, and the praise that he is so worthy of. Lord, that thou would revive us again, that we might rejoice in thee. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're already doing. And just go ahead and give you a a shout out on credit for what you're going to do. We thank you for those that have committed themselves and made such great sacrifice of their time and their talents to be a part of this drama. And God, I'm just asking you this morning to utilize their commitment and their effort to change eternity. Give them fruit for their labor. For the labor is worthy of his reward. As we go out into this community, even today, Help us to represent your son well. Help us to stand firm and bold and courageous, but humble and loving and kind. Speaking the truth in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.